Welcome to the CMS Real Deal podcast, where we take a step back from the legal nitty-gritty and provide insight into issues affecting the property industry. I am Danny Drummond-Brassington, and today I'm joined by Kieran Cavello, partner and head of the real estate sector at CMS, and Chris Luck, partner in our funds team. Welcome both. Hi Danny, thank you. Hi there. Um, so you've both come along today to talk about 2019, the outlook and your predictions. Um, it's going to be an interesting year, um, but should we just start with a few of the highlights of 2018? Kieran, what would you put down as the highlight of 2018? Well, I think clearly the B word, Brexit. Oh, we're definitely not going to get through this podcast without mentioning that. Um, was a worry for people at the start of the year. And uh, funnily enough, I was at the IPF Outlook seminar uh, earlier this week. And Chris Island presented journals predictions. And Chris mentioned this time last year they were forecasting in terms of volumes for the UK real estate market 55 billion. And he got a lot of calls, he said at the time, from people saying, you know, you must be crazy. How are we possibly going to do 55 billion with Brexit and everything else and all that uncertainty? Um, and uh, one year on, as you look back at uh, 2018, uh, the expected outturn on volumes was 60 billion. Wow. So actually they'd underestimated. Um, so as, as you look forward, cost um, for this year is similar figure, 55 billion. Because in a sense, nothing is different from this time last year. We're just a bit closer to the 29th of March. Um, that all said, uh, I think our sense here at CMS is definitely uh, it will be a little bit more subdued in the first quarter, which is, I think, inevitable because we are so close. Uh, lots of the overseas investors we talk to say, look, uh, we're just going to kind of wait and see a little bit, see how this all turns out. Um, but longer term, they're absolutely, they, can, they want to continue to invest in the UK. Uh, London remains a magnet for ca- capital. There's so much capital in the world. And for many of these investors, they're long-term holders. So even though there will be some, you know, it's perceived to be some immediate disruption, over the longer term, five, ten years, which most of these want to hold their assets for, they think it'll be fine. We've had financial services in London for 400 years. Uh, we've now got a northern powerhouse with Manchester, you know, it's a thriving city, and other cities are also attracting attention. So I think it will be fine, um, but I suspect the first quarter, half of the year, will be less active, but we could be very active in the second half of the year. But I've been proved wrong many times before. I mean, it's been so busy <laughs> since we came back. Great news. And Chris, what do you? Th- before we start talking about 2019, what about you? What was 2018's highlights for you? Yeah, I think it's useful to look back to 2018 and we've already touched upon Brexit and it is very easy to get caught in a Brexit bubble um, because I think perhaps the message of 2018 was actually the resilience of the real estate sector across the United Kingdom and elsewhere and it's very easy to overlook some of the fundamental characteristics and demands of the UK real estate sector and it's very easy to think of real estate as being one holistic thing but actually it's very many different buildings very many different types of occupiers Um, it brings with it responsibilities and it brings with it challenges such as high street retailing but then again London office blocks 
that they, that the letting programmes for them are, are strong. There is not a huge supply and you mustn't overlook actually that UK real estate is UK real estate but the owners are international and there is a weight of capital out there which means that actually there is a big demand for the right product. So looking back, it was a very resilient year. I think our activities and volumes and the quality of the things we were working on, either letting, building or planning ahead, was actually hugely encouraging for 2019. Mm. And that perhaps is the point to look to move, move forward. On. Yeah, you both picked up um, money and inward investment in the UK. And what was quite interesting, and I think going back to your resilience point, um, 2018 saw London extend its lead as the top target for international investors, ex- ex- extending its lead over Paris, Amsterdam, Berlin. That's really positive. Do you think that's going to continue? And I know, Kieran, last year when you joined us on the podcast to talk about your predictions for 2018, you were predicting an increase in funds from Korea and Japan. So interested in your thoughts about the, the continued investment in, in the UK market and where those funds are going to be coming from. Well, I continue to remain very optimistic about uh, overseas capital coming into the UK. Um, the Korean investors were very active last year. Um, we were happily involved in a number of their investments. Um, they were certainly a very strong part of the market. But we've seen also investors from Singapore, so City Developments Limited uh, bought two London assets in the last quarter last year. Um, and I, I suspect we're going to see more capital from Hong Kong still, from Japan. I think Japan is proving a little slower than people anticipated, but uh, when it arrives, there is so much capital uh, looking to be invested from Japan that you know it could almost move the market. So uh, I think people are watching that very carefully. Um, but yeah, people generally overseas seem, you know, as I say, they they probably take a pause this quarter. Uh, many, but others will see that as an opportunity because there'll be less competition for assets, and there just may be, you know, assets to acquire that they wouldn't, um, that aren't going to be so heavily competed for, and they'll take the opportunity to buy because they're long-term holders. And probably uh, currency exchange rates will help. Yes, that. for sure. So assets will look less expensive. Um, But in terms of allocations to real estate, um, if you look at the top uh, global 100 companies that invest in real estate, um, nearly 60% feel they uh, are underweight in real estate and would like to increase their allocation. So I I just don't think capital is the issue. It is absolutely not the money. And then it's going to be about gateway cities, as we've seen. Um, And London has... Um, and the UK has got obviously advantage of the rule of law, it's a very transparent market. London's the most liquid market in the world. Um, so this is not a time for complacency, but neither is it a time for pessimism. And so you mentioned about London, what about other cities? Um, obviously last year Manchester saw big booms. Um, also Scottish commercial property uh, market increased 46% year on year, which is clearly positive. Again both your thoughts on is that set to continue or do you think it's going to be London as the focus? Well London has to be the core focus because of its global scale and appeal 
Um, I think in terms of its attractiveness, it, it's, it's, it's fighting a battle to stay up there. Yeah. I think currently tourism numbers are a little bit down. So, you know, but it, it's a huge engine and, and to classify London as one thing is impossible because London is actually multifaceted. It's tourism, it's retail, it's offices. There is a huge student accommodation market here. There are emerging ec um, economic players, hedge funds, IT companies, startups. Yeah. I think it's you have to think of all of these, and I think one of the things also to bear in mind over the last year and looking forward, I think the real estate sector is drawing money into new asset classes. Um, so I've mentioned student accommodation, but healthcare, yeah. private rented sector, those things are now being made into a mainstream commercial investment proposition. Yeah. So they're not single buildings owned by single smaller investors. They're now being put onto a global investment. Uh, market scale and so that is one of the big yeah. themes and that's what we, if you say we've we've seen the maturing of those markets of so student accommodation obviously the, the the front runner in that and in the sense that it's most mature and last year um the they're expecting um it's come out at 53 billion pounds worth of investment in the student accommodation which is phenomenal and shows a very mature um asset class there and um, do you think you're going to see the same with the prs do you think we'll get to that point with the maturity or are we still a long way off? I think there's, uh, but just to answer your Scottish question, I do think there's going to be continued interest in Edinburgh and Glasgow particularly. Aberdeen, I think people, I wouldn't say they were sceptical, but they're a little bit more cautious about because of its dependence oh. historically or energy, uh, etc. But um, you know, with certainly all the conversations I have, people, this isn't just about being London-centric. I think London is the obvious starting point for many people, particularly first time. But as more and more international investors get familiar with the UK, I think they start to broaden out. They look at more development-type opportunities rather than standing investments. And we're seeing interest you know, outside of Manchester in places like Birmingham, mentioned Edinburgh, Glasgow, Leeds, Bristol, yep. um, um, and those areas of the UK which are a bit more built on R&D, so sort of Cambridge area, etc. So it's sort of changing, and uh, as people become more familiar with where they're investing, uh, they're looking to get a little bit more return. They have to mm -hmm. look at a bit more risk, and that means development. So um, yeah, yeah, interesting times. but. Um, as I said, we haven't mentioned logistics. Yes, I was going to come um, on to the Because the I think sectors. logistics isn't city-specific. No. Last-mile delivery is very important in relation to cities and towns, but actually logistics is about infrastructure, motorways, airports, trains, and of course logistics has been one of the big darlings it of the real estate sector in the been. last year, and I'm sure it will continue to be so yeah. in 2019. And with Brexit, you know, we've got a huge logistics exercise to deal with potentially. <laughs> Yeah, and I, you know, clearly uh, logistics has been super hot, and uh, obviously our thought leadership um, recently covered uh, logistics, last mile delivery, and you know, some people categorise it as the new retail. You know. Yeah, well, it was quite interesting. Then you, you picked up there the um, thought leadership piece, box clever. Um, so seventy four seventy four percent of our respondents in the survey that um, we carried out said that the logistics sector had. Appeal, and that was where they wanted to invest, compared to seven percent in the retail sector, which yeah. is just a phenomenal switch. And yeah. um, showing, as you say, Chris, the darling of the real estate sector in twenty eighteen. But even those um, people with retail assets, you know, many of them are looking at repurposing, repositioning. Yeah. You mentioned um, 
uh, bed sector, uh, Danny. So, you know, some groups are looking at residential on what was previously um, historically shopping centres. So, an example you may have seen in the Times this morning, there is um, a shopping centre in Kirkcaldy in Scotland being sold for one pound at auction. Yeah. Is the reserve price now? Clearly. The owners fear is going to go for more than that, um, but someone would look at that as an alternative use opportunity, and there is no doubt there is going to be demand for more residential for a long time. You know, we just don't have enough uh, residential uh, opportunities, and all the institutions are interested in P PRS as an element to social responsibility with that as well, um, and you. There's just very significant demand in that area. Yeah, and and your your point, bringing both the residential point that you were talking about, Kieran and Chris, your logistics point, they actually go hand in hand. You're thinking about them in in silos, but if you are where you live, people are relying on e-commerce. So to be able to get your Ricardo delivery or your Amazon delivery, your last mile delivery, you have to then have some industrial sites nearby but we're repurposing mm. industrial sites for residential and so there's this pressure coming on yep. which presumably means that logistics is still going to be a boom time going well, forward. Well who's to say some of those shopping mm. centres might not be repurposed for yep. you know, yep. click Absolutely. and collect lockers, what, what have you. Yeah. Uh, I think that is one of the themes of 2019 and beyond. We recently uh, co-hosted the EPRA uh, real estate conference for about 500 delegates yeah. at the beginning of the year with a fantastic panel and people such as um, David Atkins from Hampson were talking about Bista Village. Yeah. Now, you know, is Bista Village retail? It, it, it is, but actually it's a tourist destination. Absolutely. It's, it's retail with leisure facilities attached. It's proximity to logistics and infrastructure. And if you take that to London, people like Derwent and GPE, the proximity to the Elizabeth line. So actually real estate is more than just the building and the plan, yeah. it's actually what is around it, who are the people around it, and how easy is it to get to and from. Yeah. And actually an interesting uh, comment that was made by Isabel Skimama, who's Global Head of Real Estate at AXA, who was at the EFRA conference uh, on the panel, was uh, we become very self-absorbed in the UK about everything that's happening here. Brexit, and oh my mm. God, you know, the sky's going to fall in. Well, actually, she said, you know, there's risk everywhere. There We're is. a global investor. And you look at what's happened with the, in France, with the you know, Gilets Jaunes, um, uh, what's happened with Merkel um, at the moment in Germany. And, and there's yeah. lots of examples of that. Uh, dare I say, at the US with Trump, and obviously what's happened with Xi in China, etc. And... Um, Everyone's you know, got their own problems. It's all about yeah. assessing mm. risk and analysis yeah. and where do you place you know, mm. your capital. And uh, certainly, as a Bell's view was, you know, the UK is absolutely not off the cards, but it's just like a measured mm. risk analysis like anything else. Yeah. And extending out the fact that real estate isn't just about the individual building and the returns on the building, it's around the skills as well as the infrastructure. Yeah. And I think this is where the UK also has a very strong hand because I think the quality uh, you know, attributed to our valuations, the skill sets of the professionals working with real estate, yeah. and often a global capital player will not have a lot of people on the ground. So they want to work with established, respected yeah. professionals. And indeed, if you are a new entrant or a newish entrant, you often will team up, I mean, the funds team, and a lot of what we do is either creating a fund where a fund manager deploys the capital 
and, yeah. and find the right assets and opportunities. Or if someone wants to be even closer, you create a club or a joint venture. And so you find a local partner. We've mentioned Japanese investors. Mm. They've done it for years, so have many others, the Canadians and, and others besides. So you actually say, well, I've got capital, I have skilled people, but I don't have the time or yeah. the strength of numbers. So I actually will work with a really respected, good partner and I will build, develop You're this. right, it, it, it's the infrastructure in the sense of the people that can facilitate the deals and the investment, isn't it? It's, it's, it's existing there, it's highly skilled. And you've Ready. also got the stock markets here. Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's also, if you get to the stage where you want to become a public company or access debt markets, you have the whole infrastructure of the city. Yeah. And again, if you go elsewhere outside of London or the United Kingdom, those things are harder to, to find. So actually, once you get to a big scale, you've got a whole range of things you can use to, to improve your business and your returns for your investors. And I think we're, we'll certainly see the rise of alternatives outside the mainstream of historically offices, retail, logistics, industrial. We talked about the bed sector, but it's also uh, healthcare. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's not simply PRS, it's also senior living, yeah. it's social housing, and, you know, and hotels. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, not potentially part of the bed sector, you know, everyone has yeah. to sleep, but, you know, People are increasingly, I think, becoming familiar with operational assets and it's no longer simply about dry income because yeah. there's an element of search for yield and people are upskilling and becoming more familiar with different sectors. So um, you know, some of those things that we've historically classified as alternatives query whether we should even treat residential as an alternative yeah. these yeah. days. Yeah, well, that is yeah. exactly the argument. But I think people do like to match real estate, whether it's the traditional asset classes or the newer, they, I think it is for a portfolio, it's, it's, it's a positioning thing because equities generally are more volatile, mm -hmm. government gilts are more stable but don't create the right returns for some, and so for real estate fills a space in the middle and it's an asset class yeah. as a whole which actually is good for portfolio management. Interesting, Simon Pilcher at the IPF Outlook earlier this week, who comes from, uh, who's the CEO of M&G, uh, fixed income, um, has historically not um, sort of focused so much on real estate, but increasingly they are focusing on real estate. And they said actually total return, income and capital growth from real estate has actually outperformed equities and gilts, mm. um, you know, over the last five, ten years. So um, increasingly I think it's on people's agendas and radars and um, you know, we'll see. I, I just, I think there's a lot of positive things out yeah. there despite what's happening around yeah. us. Lots to play for. So um, we talked about sectors and there's probably one sector that I think um, it would be remiss not to talk about and that's the retail sector because um, it did have a bit of a bumpy time and a lot of bad press in 2018. What are the thoughts for 2019? Well, I think... Um, not everyone's done bad, you know, some some groups have actually produced quite good results and actually some year-on-year -year growth. So, um, you know, a lot of this is going to be about uh, market positioning, uh, your product, but what is in a real estate, on the real estate investment side, I think what you're going to see is the people who are going to be the winners, 
are those that really work their assets well and don't you know I think the days of yield compression at the moment mm. are probably that that would be foolhardy to just expect you buy something and hope that you know it's going to increase in value and yeah. you get your rent review and uh, yields compressed but you know we're seeing um, certainly with the retail clients we look after very very active asset management uh, and trying to close uh, transactions down quickly because you know time means delay means risk etc um, but you know you have to be really careful it's a question of picking the right retailers I mean I think in the short term I think it will continue to be difficult January is Always. Usually, the, the probably the hardest time of the year for retailers mm-hmm. because you've had your Christmas uh, sales period. You've tried to shift your stock, and you've, if you haven't, then obviously your cash flows become difficult. And so, I suspect we will probably see more news. And all the consumers have spent all their money. <laughs> and exactly. And with Brexit, it, it obviously, outside of tourist spending, it boils down to consumer confidence. Yeah. And of course, at the time we record this it's quite a difficult time for consumers to feel confident. Yeah. Other um, than stockpiling. <laughs> other than stockpiling. So maybe there's a short-term uh, <laughs> uh, big queue at the supermarket. But um, I think that the core point is really it depends what retailing it is, yeah. whether it's supermarket retailing, London destination shopping, online retailing. And I think perhaps technology will start to also converge on the physical yeah. retailing so that actually it'll become more of a, a mixed... Yeah. experience yeah. and so there, there are ways where those who are inventive can actually reinvent retailing yeah, yeah. and so, so like there Amazon is there is you know, it is it's about you know, the, i think you're right that we'll see a slowly a blend and perhaps new entrants new new names on the high street that enhance and change the shopper's experience so i don't pretend that it's easy i think there is opportunity mm-hmm. to be creative and that is probably equally true for many other businesses in the news at the moment you know we, we read about jaguar land rover and others besides so actually the product has to move on yeah, yeah i mean it's interesting because we look at people like uh, amazon as great disruptors of retail in a sense but you could say the office market is being severely disrupted by the likes of WeWork. Um, So the Crown Estate you've seen earlier this week have opened their own form of co-working in Heaven Street and you know that's it's not there to compete with WeWork but it's a different offer and I think the general market view is between 25% to 30% of the market in the future could be made up of co-workers, co-working space. Yeah. And that's a massive disruption to the office yeah. market. Yeah. And, and we've mentioned other things already, such as Cambridge and life sciences. Yeah. Uh, I think the whole King's Cross campus is now really gaining momentum. Yes, I think Sony have just announced they're moving in that direction. Yeah. We've got the whole um, Nine Elms, this is very London specific as a comment, but we've got the whole Nine Elms and, Amazon, uh, and Apple development. Yeah. So actually, things refresh. They do. And you know, with disruption, obviously there are going to be challenges, but also that presents opportunities. Absolutely, so many opportunities by people coming up with ideas that people hadn't thought about. Um, so, just by way of closing, I want just one thing from both of you that you think we've got to look forward to in 2019. One way or another, I think we'll know where we are. And that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I don't know if it will be on the 29th of March, but I do think there will be a conclusion to this um, during 2019. Yeah, it goes back to my earlier comment, really. It's easy to get caught up in a Brexit bubble. I, I still believe that our economy, us, the sector, 
have the skills, the products, it's a limited supply. You can't yeah. make more real estate apart from building higher or lower. So I, I, I believe that, yes, there'll be difficult times, but we'll come out of it and things will actually become better buildings and, and things will be fine. Oh, well, Kieran and Chris, thank you so much for your time today and your thoughtful insights. And to all of our listeners, do remember to subscribe to The Real Deal podcast via our usual podcast store. Thank you. Thank you, Danny.